You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome into the Sweaters Forever podcast, a 105.3 The Fan podcast hosted by our fearless leader and hockey hawk, Gavin Spittle at GJ Spittle on Twitter. How are you doing today? Man, I'm ready to talk some puck, Shippy. Me too, and yes, he just referenced me. I am Shippy. You can follow me on Twitter at Shippy Fun Sports. And, you know, the first two episodes we recorded of this, it was a little more somber tones. The stars weren't playing well. The second episode, it was we were tempted to be a little optimistic, but... Still not quite enough for us to grasp onto to really go, hey, this team is back. They're playing to the level we expected. Well, since then, they said in your face, they've gone 7-1 and one in their last eight games, including winning is it the last four in a row now. They've won four yeah, straight. Yeah, they've won four straight, including that epic comeback in the third period against Minnesota, which started it. And that, uh, I'm glad you went there, actually, because I wasn't planning on going here. I want to talk about Radulov later and the penalties that he's that he's um, you know been taking. I think the last two games he had two minors taken, which yeah. is kind of a just a side a byproduct of his game. But I do want to give him props because that late second period goal where it was all him. I yep. mean, it was he was he was doing what Radulov does when he's playing his best hockey. He's pestering the opponent. He's getting under their skin and he's hustling. I mean, you can't question the guy's desire and, and the effort he puts when he's out on the ice. And it was a falling, just kind of one handed. He just chopped at the puck, and he was able to go up in the we're up the top corner. Yeah, it was amazing. It was an amazing goal, and yeah. that really seemed to spark the whole the whole team. And then obviously they went on to score five in the third. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't long ago, and that was the game where they got booed. Yes, and they talked about it in the post game. Mm-hmm. The coach talked about it. The captain talked about it. I think it had an effect on them. Yeah. I think for the first time, and kudos to Dallas Stars fans, I am not pro-booing the home team. Like, I've just always thought as though, like, hey, they're giving it their all. But I felt as though it was that spark necessary. And it also told me, I always thought this was a real good hockey town. Mm -hmm. But it also showed me that the fans had had enough. It's Mm -hmm. like, we expect better. And Jamie Ben said in in warm-ups, there was a guy wearing a bag over his head, and he noticed them. I mean, when things like that are happening, there are two ways you can go. You could either say, forget about the fans, whatever, Mm -hmm. or it can spark and light a fire. And it seems as though the timing of this is relevant because they went on that huge third-period tear you mentioned I thought that was the key to the game, that late second period goal. So they had momentum going into the third, and that was an absolute domination. And they really haven't let off the gas, which is fascinating. It Whatever happened in that third period, someone asked me after the game, it's like, oh, they should be like this all the time. I'm like, well, you can't dominate like that all, <laughs> all right. the time. Yeah. 
But three games later, I'm like, well, it hasn't been like that all the time, but maybe 75%. They've shown large stretches of just, and it's this pressure that they're now putting on the opponent in, in their offensive zone. You know, you, um, in, in the Avalanche game, the second one uh, last night, we're recording this on Wednesday around 2.30, just for reference for everybody listening at home. At that, in that Avalanche game, um, Jason Dickinson's goal was all him. He ended up getting rewarded for it. It looked like Pavelski was going to score. The defenseman made a nice play, and it just kind of deflected to Dickinson, and he, you know, reaped the benefits as he as he scored on the Avalanche. I want to bring up something that you brought up just a second ago about this, just the the booing, the idea. There's there's some markets, there's some fan bases. You know, you look at places like, and it's generally up northeast, right? The Philadelphia yeah. fans. You know, Boston, things like that. Original six or 12 teams. Right. Just those kind of fan bases. It seems like they, a lot of the time, will unnecessarily boo their team. I don't know how many times I've heard Dallas Stars fans boo their team like they did in that wild game. Um, and, and as you said, it certainly seemed to have a major effect you know, on the club. I liked it because it showed that they were into the hockey, not just the entertainment of going to a game. Right. And that's what I really appreciated about the Stars fans. And that's one thing, like a knock on Dallas. You know, we're talking about markets here. That's yeah. one knock on the Dallas sports market is that these games that you go to locally, they're more of a spectacle or more of like a, hey, I'm going to the game as a status type thing. Yeah. Not, hey, I'm a huge fan of this team. I'm really dug in on their progress, how they're doing, you know, really following the team. It's more of like a, hey, I'm going to go sit in my seats and then we'll go hit the Jack Daniels club and all that's when, you know, that's what they a lot of fans go for more in this in this area. Yeah, the American Airlines Center has done an amazing job of keeping kind of new, fresh, modern and they have great bars and it's a kind yeah. of a lifestyle thing to go and you're right, be seen at Stars and Mavericks games and and you know, they have the Lexus Club upstairs and right. so at the start of a period yeah, I mean, you know, you look through the stands and say, where did everybody go? Well, and then you see them kind of f- about five minutes in. in. You see yeah. Them, you see, you know, the first face-off, and all of a sudden all these fans are coming back because they look up and they're like, oh, crap, the game's back on. we got to go back to our seats. And we've both been guilty of oh, it. Oh, yeah, it happens. But, you know, Time flies when you're in those different clubs yeah. and you're catching up with your buddies that you just run into. But that's part of the overall atmosphere. Yeah. You know, people want to get up and... uh you know, get out of their seats, and it seems as though they're getting out of the seats during the period for what the team has given them. Yeah, and so they've, uh, you know, during this seven and one stretch, or there's winning their seven of their last eight, they've only allowed nine goals in those seven victories. And something that we talked about before we started recording this was just the kind of the overall sentiment sometimes that Ben Bishop is playing sloppily or hey that was a soft goal and I think you said it best Stars fans are spoiled yes by the play that they've seen from Ben Bishop since he was acquired yeah uh and we got to give Jim Nill a lot of credit still on that trade that was a very very good trade yeah and if you look at salaries when it comes to goaltenders I think Bishop might be 15th or 16th right now on total salaries for goaltenders um, he doesn't make a ton of money. He, to me, has overperformed. Oh, absolutely. And so last night, I mean, if you were at the AAC, at first glance, it did look like a soft goal because it went over the shoulder. And how do you get over Ben Bishop's shoulder it's when tough. the guy's 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, yeah, he's ranked um, 18th in the 18th, league. 18th in salary. So, But when you look at the re- replay, that was a rocket. And yeah. um, I leaned over to my friend... Because he thought it was a soft goal, and I said, "Don't worry, 
That's the last goal he'll give up of the night. I understand he's been letting up early goals, and he got pulled the other night. But I thought that I thought him getting pulled was more of a message to the entire team. I thought team. it was too. Montgomery just, said after the game they didn't feel as though he was as sharp, mm-hmm. you know, and that can happen. Right. But I agree. I thought it was more the team than anything. That's I mean, what I thought when when Hudobin was in after was it the first period? Yeah, he, yeah. When he there. came in after that, I was like. Okay, he's sending a message to the team. Hey, let's pull our best goalie. Yeah, and it, whatever he did, it worked because that's the only thing you can really do. You yeah. can't. I mean, if you sit a player, then you have to double shift somebody. So right. It, you know, you don't. Then you're have, really hurting yourself. Yeah, you don't have the access player, so you do have to make moves like that. But the narrative of Ben Bishop has to change. He's so like Dak Prescott as far as like you know, <laughs> yeah. like gets blamed for everything. Yeah. Oh, Bishop, I can't believe you let one in. Well, wait a minute, he let one in. Right. How quickly we've forgotten the Dallas Stars of just a few years ago when four and five goals being let in was the norm. Yeah. And when our goaltender had a high goals against average as far as like mid to upper threes. And I think it's I think it's something if Stars fans like Dak Prescott looked around the league and watched other goalies and like, oh, well, he's letting in way easier goals than what Bishop it's just kind of you get so focused in and honed in on your team because it's your team. But if you watch these other goalies it's clear that Ben Bishop is still the elite of the elite. He's a top two goalie in the entire league. Right, and when teams apply, apply a lot of pressure on a goaltender, they're going to let goals in, you yeah. know, especially with, look at the Avalanche last night. I thought their goaltender played extremely well. I know that the final score didn't necessarily dictate that, but that score could have been five, six, maybe even seven to one. Yeah. They probably would have pulled him at that point. Yeah. But at the same time, wow. I mean, he made a lot of great saves. Bishop shut down the avalanche in the third period. The abs were getting shots toward the late part of the second period into the third period, and Bishop shut them down. And I know they don't have their true firepower, they don't have Landeskog in the lineup. Rantanen's out of the lineup. Those are two of the best in the NHL. The Stars don't have hints, though. Stars you know? don't have hints. But Nathan McKinnon was on the ice. Yeah. You know, the, the they still have Kale McCarr. They still have Kale McCarr. Yeah, absolutely. It's a deep team. They have Kadri. They have pieces. Yes. And, yes. And, you know, but at the same time, it's like the Avs got in their own trouble last night. Right. Eight minutes of penalties in the first period. I right. mean, that's... God, you know, that's a lot of time in the box for one period. And you'd really like to see, just kind of naturally transitioning here, the power play for the Stars to get a little bit better. That's probably maybe one of the eyesores still for the Dallas Stars, especially, like you said, I mean, when you have a four-minute minor penalty because they've lost their second challenge, which is funny that the Avs head coach, did you see the video where he's looking up? He goes, wait, why is it four minutes? Well, you lost the first challenge, coach, and once you win or once you lose a second one, it's now a double minor, and then after that, it stays at four minutes if they were to challenge another. And the referees gave them more than enough time to make a decision. Yeah, way too much time, in my yeah. opinion. I know that kind of got a little irritating from a Stars fan point of view and from a Stars player and coach point of view that the Avs were getting that much time to look at the tape. Yeah, and you know, from the looks of things, it's like, what are you looking at? Like that to me was a clean goal. Like I don't understand the Foxa. Yeah, well, it's it was the the stick was broken on the, the stick tip was play, broken on the and tip. then he played it with a broken stick, which is supposed to be a penalty. And but that's it's more of a it's more of a, a rule to to protect the players. It's a safety rule. He didn't know that it was broken, and he still was able to score a good goal. 
Now, in the arena, they didn't show many replays because it was being reviewed. Right. And the NHL rule is you got to be careful about that. Don't show too many views because you can't help the coaches. Sure. That said, the few that I saw, and I haven't looked at it yet, I thought Foxe hit the puck first and then the stick was snapped. It was kind of, it was real it was really it was like simultaneous, simultaneous. yeah yeah it, yeah. it happened it was bang bang like yeah. there was no way that he knew that it was broken when he went to try to score bigger picture is that you know we don't want to sound cocky or anything but the things that we've talked about in the previous podcast <laughs> the stars are now doing right. perfect example Radic Foxel last night was giving all kinds of fits in front of the net mm-hmm where has this been? This is amazing. Number 12 coming to life. That's the Radic Fox I thought we were getting when he was drafted. And we saw, you know, a couple of years ago, Radic Fox come to life. Mm-hmm. Man, I want him to park in front of net. He is a nasty, strong player. Not nasty in a bad way, but nasty in a good way. Mm-hmm. A guy that can get you those sloppy goals. And they're doing that. And the other thing I'm seeing is more and more something we've talked about. They're not as fancy as far as, like, let's make that extra pass to be perfect. They're putting pucks on net. They're putting pucks in front of the net. Two of those goals, which brought them back against the Wild, were off of Wild players. Yes. So and you don't get those happens. unless you throw them on the unless net. Unless you throw them on the net. Yeah. So they're, they almost, it seems like they went back to basics. Right. Which I thought was really good. Every single power play last night, when they were able to set it up, they had a man in front of the net. And like people can say, I mean, heck, Colorado did it on their power play. And who did they put in front of the net? Val Nachushkin was yeah. in front of the net. So, you know, you want a guy with size that has tip ability that can clean up rebounds because if you put the puck on net, you know, unless you put it in his chest, you know, those pads are going to puff. And I really liked, you know, we just to kind of allude to your point of putting the pucks on the net, they also did a really good job of keeping the abs in not dangerous or real safe zones in 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 the Stars defensive zone. Basically, keeping those Avs players to the outside. It took the Avs two power plays and 16 minutes and 23 seconds to get their first shot on net. That's a that's impressive. That is insane. Yeah. And and even without, you know, some of their big gunners, any hockey team, especially professionally in the NHL yeah. that you keep, they they had two power plays with zero shots and then in 16 minutes and 23 seconds they kept them off the the shot sheet. We talk about guys that aren't going to necessarily be your points leaders that but you need on the team. Mm-hmm. Cogliano to me is one of those yes. guys. Blake Como. Getting Blake Como back is one of those guys. Jason Dickinson. Now all of a sudden, you know, I mean, the Stars are giving up a lot of shorthanded opportunities. They're spending far too much time in the penalty box which we'll get into. Yes. But that said, they're not giving up goals. Right. Because of their penalty killing. We got to add Miro Haskin in as part of that mix. John Klingberg, up until he got injured, Ugh. was part of that mix. So uh, they're doing a good job when they're shorthanded. Yeah. Well, uh, John Klingberg out at least two weeks. And I heard Monty after the game talking. It's real similar to the Como injury, kind of how it happened. He got basically, he got run into at the blue line. And I think it's not as much the collision, but the fall that kind of is where he aggravated or injured himself. So two weeks without John Klingberg. I think Roman Polak's supposed to be back sometime pretty soon here, but I'm looking forward to seeing who is going to really be able to step up here. Obviously, Miro Haskin will slide right up into John Klingberg's spot on that top 
uh, D pairing. I'd be interested to see if they move Alexiak up with him because I really like those two together. You know, I think we brought this up on the last uh, podcast, but Alexiak and Haskinen working together really reminds me of Dion Hatcher or Darian Hatcher and uh, Sergey Zubov when they yeah. were together. You know, Alexiak's got the slap shot and uh, Miro Haskinen's more of the finesse skill player. I mean, he's got a slap shot as well, but he's not that big bruiser. So it right. helps to have that guy who's his defensive partner who's there to kind of defend him and take care of him and make sure the other team doesn't try to just bully him out of the game. Yeah, he was very active last night, was involved in some rushes as well, Mm -hmm. Um, used his size. He came out of the penalty box on one and made a nice little rush up. I remember last season, you know, a couple times when they went uh, with with 7D, man, they put Alexiak up as a forward. So he's, you know, in those really short stints where – he comes out of the penalty box, and maybe they have an outlet pass up, and he's got an opportunity. I feel totally fine with him going ahead and go, you know, rush the, rush the offensive zone. You know, take take your chance and get to the bench, and let's get our normal five. Out yeah, there. yeah. I will say though, they are starting to get thin on the blue line. Yes, and that yeah. Andre you know. Sekera is supposed to be back right um, pretty soon as well. But I mean, the fact that they have started out so poorly endured all, all these injuries, and now we sit here today and they're back to 500 when a couple weeks ago it, it really seemed like, what's it going to take? A big trade? Firing Monty? What is it going to take to get this team back? Yeah. It really seems like, like you said, it looks like they got back to the basics. It looks like they're playing the hockey that is what had them on the doorstep of making the Western Conference Final last year. Um, the penalty killing that you brought up, yeah, they're taking a lot of penalties, but their penalty kill looks great. <laughs> You know, they're doing a great job of keeping the other team from scoring and taking advantage of those opportunities, which is something they really struggle with during that early stretch. They're going to need Miro Haskinen to step up during this time and be more of an offensive playmaker um, because besides Miro now, I mean, your next best playmaker might be Fredoon or, um, you know, Hanley. Oh, on the uh, as far as from as a far as the defensive side, I'd throw Alexiak maybe into the yeah. I mean, mix. Uh, listen, Alexiak, Alexiak's earned minutes. I'm just saying, yeah. like a a puck moving defenseman. Yeah. So then you look at the it, minors and say, okay, do we look toward Texas? You know, the first thing I thought of when uh, Klingberg Klingberg got hurt was, man, if Julius Honka could just yeah. I mean, he is the <laughs> he is like the Walmart brand of John Klingberg at this point. The problem is he just can't take coaching. Yeah. I, I, I've heard stories about him, and I've met him before. He's a great, great kid. He was he's super nice to me, but you know I've heard just little things like a, a Star Wars player. They were throwing a football in in the the bowels of the AAC, and he he threw he tried to throw it. It did not go well at all. A Star Wars player who I won't name just tried to coach him up on it. And he just kind of like shook him off and then just walked away like, I don't need your coaching, that type of thing. So if we could just get him over that just mindset that he knows everything and he can't improve, that's the type of player that is a puck-moving, playmaking player. you know. And when he before he kind of got in the bad graces of the Dallas Stars organization, he showed flashes of brilliance offensively with the puck on his stick. He, in eight games, he has five points in Finland. Right now, I saw a really nice. Uh, he's playing with his brother, yeah, which has been pretty cool. I've seen a couple. Uh, I think it was his brother assisted on one of his goals the other night. I mean, that's a guy that would really, really work, help out in this situation. But I don't think that the Dallas. I mean, 
They're going to have to just keep with uh, Fadoon or Hanley or one of those guys. And they have to make a decision on Hanley, although that might change as far as I think they have to put him on waivers at some point. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting uh, situation. Um, the problem with Honka right now is you don't have the cap space. Yeah. So you would have to move cap room if you were to bring Honka back because you're right up against the cap. Now, I don't think they want to bring Honka back. I think what they ultimately want to do is trade him. Like, I think they like those stats. Yeah. Because I think they want to look toward the trade deadline and, you know, or maybe even prior to the trade deadline. They were trying to move him last year. Yeah, absolutely. Like, very heavily. I mean, at this point, a fourth or fifth round draft pick, I think, is a fair equal value for a player who's not with you anymore. Um, so it is a bit of a concern not having Klingberg and I loop in Rope Hints with there because yeah. those are, you know, kind of your offensive playmakers, especially when it comes to the power play. Mm-hmm. And that's why a guy like Haskinen has to step up. Um, we talked a lot on the first couple of podcasts about Dennis Gurionov. Yeah. And this is everything and more we wanted in Dennis Gurionov. He didn't show up on the stat sheet per se last night. I thought it was one of his better games. I mean, he was all like all he was over all the over ice. the ice and hit and a post. There'd be some times where I'm like, you know, when you're watching the game, sometimes you can't quite see a sweater, see their number. I'm going, wait, who is this guy? Hence is out of line. Who's this guy flying? Dennis Gariano. Yeah. And I'm, like, and I'm glad you brought him up because we we're talking about who steps up in John Klingberg's situation. And now with Rope Hints out, Dennis Garyanov is that guy. I, I, he is going to be this year's Rope Hintz in terms yeah. of last year, the impact that Rope Hintz had that nobody really expected from him. Dennis Gurionov this year is going to be that guy for the Dallas Stars. So the thing about Dennis Gurionov that I've always loved coming through, I mean, I, I, I really, he really caught my attention in the World Juniors playing for Team Russia, um, coming down the wing and how impressively fast he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even as a junior, you could see his size. Now, on the ice, he might not look like the biggest guy, but he's got good size to him. He's got strong, he, he, he like strong physical attributes. And what I mean by that and where that helps the stars is watching the tape I've watched of, of Dennis Guriano for the years, he can go into the corners and win the puck. He's also starting to check and finish checks, mm-hmm. which I think is really important because I'm seeing not just a Dennis Gurionov on the offensive side, which I know is getting the highlights. I'm seeing a lot of good things on the defensive side from Dennis Gurionov. You know, back-checking with his speed, getting back on the play, which is so important, um, stretching out, being by the blue line, so those stretch passes, which led to the uh, bre- uh, breakaway and then, you know, had the penalty yes. shot against Montreal on Saturday oh, night from the amazing pass by Hintz. But that's a perfect yeah. example of players being able to stretch the ice. That gives fits defensively to your opposition. Mm-hmm. So guys like him and Hints are bringing so much to the table. Interesting, Montgomery had him in front of the net last night on the power play rather than the slot. Um, so they must uh, trust his, uh, you know, they must have been looking for tips or, yeah. you know, the ability. But that also shows his strength that, you know, a guy like that who is usually you know, kind of appears as though he's a finesse forward, um, has enough strength to park himself in front of the net. Different NHL, you know, no longer cross-checking in front of the net. But you can be moved out of the way. Sure. Yeah, so it's interesting to think, too. Think about the 2015 Dallas Stars draft. First-round pick, 
Dennis Gurionov, number 12 overall. Second round pick at number 49, Rope Hintz. Both yeah. in the same draft. And for a minute, that seemed like a draft where it was like, well, once again, the Stars yeah. swing and miss on a draft. Now today, that looks like potentially, I mean, one of the strongest drafts they've had in the last, maybe the strongest draft in the last five years. Uh, we'll see how Jake Ottinger turns out. Um, to go with Miro Haskinen. Yeah. It seems like they're super high on him, but... I really like him a lot, Shippy. I do, too. I, I, think, I think he's the goaltender of the future. Colton Point has struggled down there, um, and at first, Colton Point, coming out of Colgate, looked like the better guy. Um, I really like him a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he's got good positioning. I think, actually, he was on a bad Boston University team, uh, so I think turning pro was the best thing for him. Um, and it's going to, the fascinating aspect is, is this is the last year of Hudobin. And yeah. the question is, will Ettinger or Point be ready to slide in? Point's not going to be ready. So maybe you go, you know, a year with a fill in goalie, mm-hmm. um, Landon Bow or someone like that. But it's just, it's kind of neat to see these kids something that we haven't had as an organization it's kind of neat to see dickinson another first yes. round pick now jason dickinson came in the yaramir yarger trade so oh, yaramir right. yarger went to the bruins if the bruins advanced to the eastern conference finals which they did the second round pick advanced to a first and that's how they got jason dickinson and he's turned into a real good player so it's it i never wanted jim nil to lose his job i felt at one point he had to just or, based on lack of playoff appearances. and It was definitely a valid question. Yeah, lack of talent coming through the minors, and we're starting to see some of these kids, uh, which is really, really nice to see. Yeah, and you include a guy like Matthias Janmark, which was the Eric Cole trade to the <laughs> Detroit yeah. Red Wings, and you yeah. get Matthias Janmark back, yeah. another guy who's paying huge dividends for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, he is, and that's what you do when you get back to full strength. Matthias Yamark to me right now is not a second line guy. Matthias Yamark is very good uh, when they have to kill penalties, and I look at him as a fourth line guy, a guy that's going to hustle, a guy that's going to cause problems, kind of like a Cogliano, like you know, it kind of mirrors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he can step up and be that for one year. I thought he was going to be that guy. Yeah, he struggled last year. Um, I know this. He puts in a heck of an effort, and from what I've been told, he's a heck of a room guy. Yeah. So, you know, I think having a Matias Yamark on your fourth line right now, that's an asset. You know, putting a guy like him on his second line, then it's like, oh, but that's what is so great when you have depth. Now, all of a sudden, you have Gurionov, which inserts, and, and if Hints comes back, now, like, everyone's dropping down. Right. And that makes your third line that much better. I mean, you got Corey Perry playing on the third line. You yeah. know, that, that's a guy that, and then look what that did. Mm-hmm. And then you have veterans uh, around like Cogliano, Como that are putting forth really, really good efforts um, and are valuable to the team. So it's like, I love seeing when your team is able to drop these guys and you don't have to put, you know, you can't devalue third and fourth line guys. They're essential to the team in so many ways. Right, and that's what I was going to say a second ago. You saying, you know, you, you view Yanmark as a fourth line guy. If he was listening to this right now, I wouldn't want him to take that as a shot or right. a slight or anything. All four lines are equally as important. They obviously all don't play the same amount of minutes, but you just look to last year's Stanley Cup champions and how 
from line one to line number four, how strong they were. There was no break when any of those lines were out on the ice for the Blues. You had oh, to respect yeah. every single one of them. And Matthias Yanmark on that fourth line is a guy who, if you're not careful, if you're caught sleeping, if you just take your foot off the gas just a little bit, he can hurt you. He can burn you shorthanded. He can burn you in so many different ways because of that speed, because of the effort, because of the way he plays. And then he's really good responsibly as a defensive forward as yep. well. So, yeah, if you put like all superstars on one team, you're not going to win an any you're not going to win an NHL Stanley Cup. Right. But if you can put those parts in, you mentioned that was a great point with the St. Louis Blues. Patrick Maroon was arguably the MVP yeah. Yeah. for them last year in the playoffs. I mean, gave the Stars fits in that seven-game series. Yeah. You know, played so well. Scored the, scored the winner. Yeah, absolutely. So Patrick Maroon made a million dollars for the St. Louis Blues last year. Right. I mean, he was one of those third-line, fourth-line guys that's going to cause all kinds of havoc. If he needs some energy, he's going to go on the ice and stir it up. Right. But he's just going to get those nasty goals. And, you know, he's a good player. Like, this league, to me, has turned into a superstar league, and I can appreciate that. But there are so many guys in this league that are valued that don't get the credit they deserve. Right. And I bring them up a lot. Ryan Reeves can change a game for you for Vegas. Real quick. I mean, you look around the league and there are those players that David Backus plays on the fourth line for the Boston Bruins. That's the former captain of the St. Louis Blues. Probably not much left in the tank. You know, he's getting up there. But if I have a big game and David Backus is in there, I'm going to take my chances, you know? And and those are the kind of, you know, people that you need. That's why, you know, I mean, we're going to go around the NHL in in a bit. But when the Florida Panthers picked up Boyle and he wanted to go there, you know, you looked at the contract, I think it was 950,000 or something like that. That's a great signing for the Florida Panthers. Great on the kill. Great on the power play. We'll drop the gloves if necessary. Does everything. And, oh, yeah, amazing room guy. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, it's that's it, it, the the days of thinking like a fourth-line player and a first-line player. I mean, obviously, the first-line player is going to get more money than the fourth-line player. But in terms of winning, in, turn, in terms of going after the Stanley Cup, they're all equal in terms of value across the board um, if you want to reach that final goal. Now, I want to, real quick, before we talk a little bit about Sergei Zubov and the role that he is now going to obtain with the Dallas Stars, at least for a temporary, you know, for a little bit amount of time, I want to just bring this up, something that I thought about when we were talking about Garyanov and Rope Hintz. I wonder if these young guys, you know, when you first enter a room and you make the NHL squad, I wonder, you know, you want to get your feet wet, maybe you're not comfortable, maybe these, these situations where you're thrust into a bigger role actually help their development and their growth exponentially because now it's like, look, I don't have Rope Hints now to take my minutes or I don't have this. It's on me to step up with all these guys. And I wonder if that just a little bit of like, hey, I have to show up for this team or else I'm not going to be with them much longer. I wonder if that helps them in terms of getting comfortable on the ice and getting comfortable at the NHL level because I'm sure it's intimidating you know, to walk into this room where these a lot of these guys have been playing the last year or two together, and now you're the new rookie, the new young guy stepping into the room. I wonder if there's a little bit of complacency when you first walk into that room, and if maybe hence being out for a little bit could help Gurionov in the long term in a big way. I think 
moving him up to the first line was a very good move last night. I think you need to put him with playmakers um, right now. Um, I look at him more as a scorer than a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves to shoot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's I great. Think that's a good thing. Yeah, you know that that's that's fine. Um, I, I like. Um, how they paired him with Radulov. I think that's cool. I think you got the Russian connection. Yes. You know, and guys like Hints and guys like Gurionov, I think it's important to take a step back and realize that young kids coming into the league, it helps to have an Essa Lindell or Matthias Janmark or um I probably got Essa Lindell. Essa Lindell's from Finland, not Sweden. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So a Matthias Janmark who's from Sweden, mm-hmm. you know. Guys from your own country. Having Alexander Radulov helps Dennis Gurionov. Right. You could see during the timeouts last night when Gurionov went over to the bench, he was talking with Radulov Mm -hmm. and they were strategizing. Yeah. I'm sure they weren't talking in English. You know, I think there's that comfort level of knowing Anton Hudobin could be also uh, a great role model. The thing I like about Dennis Gurionov and Rope Hintz is they paid their dues in the minors. I always felt as though, like, thought to myself, maybe he would have been the player today, but what would have happened if Val Nichushkin had started in the AHL or spent a year in Russia and then came over yeah. and and then worked his way up through the AHL? He just burst onto the scene so quick, and he had that, he said, had such a strong start to his career. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Dallas Stars fan, then all of a sudden they're like, all right, we're sending Val Nichushkin down, and he's in the middle of all this. You're like, what are you doing? But I agree. I think that that could have been maybe more detrimental to his long-term success, especially in Dallas. We'll see how it plays over you know, his, his career, but that kind of, hey, I'm here, I've arrived, and just playing super well at the beginning may have actually, like you pointed out, hurt him more than helped him. There was nothing left for Hintz or Gurionov to do in the AHL. Yeah. That was just a place to park and play. Mm-hmm. Um, they had learned what they needed to learn. But the other aspect is, there's more than just playing on the ice. You know, I used to work uh, and talk to people who would interview Dennis Gurionov. Smart kid. Did the interviews in English. Mm-hmm. Broken English, but that's part of the learning curve. And people have to take a step back and say, you're going, I mean, Shippy, if you went to Sweden or oh. if you went to Russia uh-huh. and you were asked like, all right, Shippy, I need you to do um, the sweaters forever, but do it in Russian. Oh man, you'd be like, "Whoa!" I I'd say hit. vodka. Yeah, <laughs> you you'd eventually probably learn it, uh, yeah. or you do. You know, you'd have people helping you along the way. But then you got to think about paying your bills and your visas, and yeah. you know everything, all the aspects. And oh yeah, play hockey. And then after the game, I have ten microphones in my face looking for comments, and I can't speak the language. Great. Right. And that's where you have those people that are helping you out. And I think that's where we talk about the seasoning, the road trips, knowing how to, to play right, act right. And the thing about Gurionov was the consistency. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing the consistency. There was always that burst, and there was always that. I talked to one NHL, uh, AHL uh, person who, who covers the American Hockey League, and he said, the guy is NHL ready. Some games I see him. It's like, whoa, this is a superstar. Yeah. Other games, I'm checking to see if he's on the bench still. Did he go out with an injury? What happened? Yeah. And that was always, you know, the mark on Dennis Gurionov. That narrative has changed, and I'm so excited to see it because the talent was always there. 
Now let's go to uh, let's go back to Radulov a little bit and just overall in general the the penalties that the Dallas Stars are taking. It seems like Radulov is good for one in the offensive zone every game at least. In the last couple of games, it's just been you know he's been taking two three minors a game, which I know a lot of it is it's a byproduct of the way he played that we referenced at the very beginning of the the podcast that so we were praising him for the effort, the tenacity, the just like pressuring and just bothering opponents. But I would like to see him be able to stay out of the penalty box yeah. a little bit more because obviously you go down a man and you don't want to go on the penalty kill. You want to stay on either the power play or, or at even strength. But more importantly, that's a very important guy that you want on the ice and you want you know ready and available, even though he's not a penalty killer, but you don't want him in the penalty box. And it's a momentum killer. Yes, And, and that's absolutely. the biggest thing. And they're taking too many penalties, and he especially by far, those offensive zones. Yeah, man, he, those are just so frustrating. Yeah, so what I'm seeing out of Radulov is, and maybe this is, you know, you don't want to say age catching up to him, but at the same time, most of the penalties I've seen is where he's a, a step or two behind, and mm-hmm. he's reaching out with his stick, yeah. and tapping the other guy. Old NHL, completely fine. And even the last couple of years, he did that a lot. And yeah. It didn't seem like he was getting you know, penalized as much as he is now for it. You can't. you got to keep your stick down. Well, now. and then in the playoffs, once the playoffs roll around, the star, if the Stars make it, those penalties now go away. Yes. Know? Then it's allowed. So if he can just save that for the postseason, he'll right. be fine. But that's something the NHL is cracking down on. They love the speed of the game, and they don't want to have to call penalties, but... But it also increases the scoring if they call Absolutely. penalties, and that's what they want. They don't want to go. They don't want to revert back to the early two thousand nine, two thousand ten hockey where, or maybe it was like maybe it was more oh four oh five where it was one zero games across the board or two one or you know things like that. They wanted to open up the scoring. They wanted it to become a more up and down, fast paced, high scoring league. And we talk about how talented these players are and the feel they have as far as the puck. So if they can feel the puck like they do, as soon as a stick gets around them, oh, one yeah. slight movement to the opposite way right. draws a penalty. Yep. Because you're impeding. That is hooking. Right. And you see a lot of times if that stick gets under the arm, the arm will close. And then and you better drop your stick. Yeah. Because if you hold on, once again, that's a two minute minor. Right. So we can't be mad when these things happen because those are the current NHL rules. He just has to understand that he needs to catch up to the play, not slow the player down. Right. Because I really do feel as though those pen- these penalties at some point are going to cost the Stars. Uh, and they certainly were at the early portion of yeah, the season. Yeah, they were. They were taking tons of penalties. Their penalty kill looked horrible. I mean, they were playing bad hockey, you know, as we covered on this on Sweaters Forever, but... Um, you saw how detrimental all those penalties were in, at the beginning of the year and certainly contributed to the slow start. Uh, it really reminds me of Antoine Roussel in his last year with the Stars, where that energy and that hustle turned into minutes in the penalty box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, it's a great comparison. I mean, energy is awesome. I, I love the aggressiveness. I, I love what he's doing. Just stay out of the box. All right. You know, that's... Because we saw when teams go, I mean, how much it hurt Colorado last night in the first period. And that's another good thing through this winning streak. The Stars are drawing penalties. Yes. Which is created through energy and hustle. And Garyanov is one of the leaders in terms of drawing those penalties. Can't catch him. There's there's only a handful of people that can catch him and Hintz in this league. Yeah. And that's what's awesome to see. I mean, 
you know, when you watch Connor McDavid and I speed wise, I am going to compare them, not talent wise. Right, right. But when you see Connor McDavid coming down the wing, he can turn that corner. Yeah. Dennis Gurionov can turn that corner. Hints can turn that corner. The what I absolutely loved was they put them together on with Joe Pavelski, a wily veteran. And I just felt as though that line was just a Oh God, it was beautiful watching the other night with the long stretch passes, the hustle. And it, um, it, it helps out it helps out Joe Pavelski yeah. because he's got two burners on the line with him and now he you know, he's a, he's a great passer, he's a great playmaker himself, and now you are surrounded by guys. I mean, Rope Hintz is a great playmaker as well, but I would classify Gurionov and Rope Hintz as definitely more of the sniper shooter type than uh, than a playmaker. Although I think they're both, especially Hintz, a very well rounded player. But that's offensively their talents kind of you know lean that way to me more than the playmaker type. And I feel as though Joe Pavelski settled in real nice, very now. well. I yes. mean, his last few games, we're seeing the Joe Pavelski that we paid for in the off season. Yeah, and while he might not be racking up the tallies, I just feel that'll as though all come. That'll all come. He's getting his shots on net. He seems as though you know on the offensive side of things, he was always a good defensive player. But on the offensive side, he just seems to have settled down. Maybe just like forcing it a little bit. And uh, now it just comes to him naturally. So once again, we talk about that depth and adding, you know, uh, a Joe Pavelski that's on his game, adding a Corey Perry now that's up to speed. It's like nice little, uh, nice oh. little back, but uh, little rebound shot, I guess, or yeah. whatever that was last <laughs> night that he just once again just threw it at the net and it hits off the back of Grubauer and it goes in. You yeah, know? and Pavelski drew a penalty on Kadri. Yes, I got under his skin and Kadri just a uh, you know a couple two cross checks and uh, you know I kind of like the snarl of that Pavelski had and he was laughing back at him. Yeah. You know, you you love to, and that's that leadership we talk about that I think Joe Pavelski's staying back right now. But in that moment, it's awesome to see because Pavelski knew he drew the penalty. So yeah, I'll take my shots and uh, we'll go on the power play. Now let's move on to the stars bringing back a very familiar face, a Stanley Cup champion, Sergei Zubov, has been. I don't know if it's hired or just he's basically going to be a consultant for the Dallas Stars in terms of. He's going to watch the games, kind of do some talent evaluation with the Dallas Stars. Just in general, I love anything that has to do with Sergei Zubov being involved with this franchise. Um, obviously, um, he made the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, It sounds like they, they are retiring his jersey, right? That, they finally do that? It has or? to be. It has to, right? It has to. If they haven't announced that yet, I just assumed once he made the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is another very deserved yeah. uh, award. I think this is a step in the retirement direction. Yes, and I, I think yeah. it's good to get him around, and I think that he's the perfect kind of guy, especially when you have a guy like Miro Haskinen, who we talked about earlier, you know, with, with Darian Hatcher being his his. his teammate is his defensive pair uh his defensive pair partner i guess um it just makes a lot of sense with a guy like miro sergey zubov to kind of help out i think that that's a guy who could kind of take miro under his wing and kind of show him maybe the, the the few areas that he could clean up in his game i i don't know many guys that i would want helping out with the dallas stars franchise before i'd want sergey zubov and you think like a young dennis gurionov like Again. as a kid looking up to yeah, Sergei Zubov yes, playing in the that, NHL. That Russian connection. Again. Yeah, yeah. And if he can teach 
any of the guys to do a one-timer from the point on a power play. Yes. That would be amazing because yeah. it is one of the best slap shots I've seen as far as accuracy. Yeah. I mean, no one did it like Sergei Zuboff. The coolness, the ability to throw a big check when necessary. Uh, you know, great player. Craig Ludwig, you know, um, it's just it's awesome to hear the stories that he tells about Sergei Zuboff. Yeah. And I'm so glad he's back with the organization. And 56 needs to go up. It needs to go up. It needs to go up. Nobody needs to ever wear that again. It needs to go up. Yep. Special player. And anytime you can bring that experience back into the organization, uh, I think it's a a great thing. And And, and you you look around and imagine just him in the locker room and you got these other young Dallas Stars players where they're eventually, you know, their goal is obviously to end up like that 1999 Stars team and to have a guy like Sergei Zubov just walk into the room you know, just say, hey, how, you know, how's your game going? What are you seeing out there? You know, just little things like that, I think, can add a ton. You saw it with the impact that Nolan Ryan had when he was first brought in to help out with the Texas Rangers. You know, a lot of pitchers, like, man, when Nolan Ryan walks into the room, you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know, this is a legend right here. That Sergey Zuboff can have that exact same. And I think that's what the Stars are going for here with bringing him back, just kind of in this, this kind of weird, strange, like, consultant role. I still don't even know exactly what to call it. And I don't know exactly what the direct results of it are going to be, but I love the fact that he's back with the Dallas Stars franchise. Yeah, I think so. And the game has changed, but there are certain elements, how you handle yourself in His the His game would have been even better in this NHL. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine if people couldn't just take free runs at him, you know, and, and yeah. if if he wasn't getting hooked on every play and things like that, the points and the, the numbers he would have put up in today's NHL just would have been astonishing, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a tribute. I thought it was long overdue. He deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I don't know why he didn't get in earlier, but uh, I'm glad it came to fruition. Uh, it's awesome to see him a part of the organization. And, uh, you know, if it if it helps one time, then it's an added plus. I mean, guys like that around the room, uh, uh, Brendan Morrow doing stuff with the Stars now. It's great to see uh, the ex-Stars within the organization. Now, uh, the Dallas Stars schedule looks a little something like this. On Sunday, they've got a road game. They travel up to Winnipeg to take on the Jets. Then they hit Calgary. they got a little Canada World Tour going on here. They hit Calgary to play the Flames on Wednesday. Then you got the Canucks and the Oilers. So that's a pretty tough. tough and, you know, you, the Canucks traditionally have been, oh, well, there's a nice W. That's a team who... Oh. They are they are strong. You can't just take little them. teaser for you. Someone showed up in the top five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we're about to hit the we're about to hit the power rankings <laughs> here in just a second. So that's but perfect. You're right. It's it's a tough Canadian road swing. Edmonton's a completely different team. Yeah, uh, with Tippett and the way Ken Holland's constructed that team, I am just so impressed what they're doing in Edmonton. Vancouver the same. Um, and you know, Calgary's the stars match up extremely well against Calgary. I agree. And you know, that could be a winnable game and they've had success up in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg's always been tough and, uh, Winnipeg is, uh, struggling on the blue line. Um, you still have Patrick Line though, and you he, still have Patrick Line. He has feasted on the stars in the past. Yeah. You still have some amazing players up there. Um, I mean, you know, if the playoffs started today, Winnipeg's in. Yeah, so. <laughs> and we we've talked about this. There's not really an easy game in the NHL anymore. No. There's so much star power sprinkled throughout the league. Yeah, um, I mean, you got Shifley. Yes, you know, you yeah. got Blake Wheeler, and Blake Wheeler's off to a slow start. 
But so, last year, Blake Wheeler in the first month of the NHL, I mean, he was on fire. That's a dude who, you know, you're right. He's he's, he's off to yeah. a slow start, but these are players that can hurt you if you're not careful, if you take them lightly. And then we have number 81, who I think is probably the most underrated player in hockey, Kyle Connor. Kids playing unbelievable. Yeah. One of the guys you look at the former Stars drafts and it's like, oh my God, yeah. we could have had him. But you're I mean, going to drive yourself crazy in any sport if you look at, uh, especially yeah. hockey. Yeah, they, especially hockey. So on on Saturday night, they came back from a two goal deficit in Vegas, went to overtime, and when they were playing three on three, they had Liney and Connor together, and they just made Flurry look you know Oof. silly on the final goal, and it was a great comeback win. Uh, I think they're well coached. Uh, so I just don't think Winnipeg's going away, despite Bufflin being, you know, we don't know the situation with Bufflin now yeah. with an ankle situation. Is right. he ever going to come back? And they lost Tyler Myers. They lost a lot of players, but they're still in the mix. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you look at it. Winnipeg, tough. Calgary, tough. Edmonton, real tough. Vancouver, Vancouver yeah. brutal. Yeah. You know, so it's like that's a very, very tough. So we're going to see what the stars are all about. But in the last, you know, in this streak where they've won seven of eight, those have all been tough teams yeah. as well. And now you classify, we, we, we brought this up. I don't remember if it was the last episode or the first. We brought this up as even though, you know, we're talking about there's no easy team in the NHL, but the stars were kind of looked at that for a minute just because of how poorly they were playing. But there's still, you look at the talent on the roster, that's still, once they get things rolling, as we've seen, it's a very, very good team. It just took them a minute to kind of mesh, and it looks like we're in the middle of them kind of finding themselves yeah, as absolutely. an NHL team. These are the kind of trips where if you come home and you want got four or five points, you're happy. Yeah. Split? Oh, Split. perfect. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Take four points all day yeah. and move on. Now, the interesting aspect about this Canadian road swing is there is rest in between. Yeah. So this is a long one. Yeah. So the yeah, stars they, are going to have time to. I mean, you you like spell it out, Shippy. They they don't play again until Sunday. Is that yes? Is their next game is on Sunday in Winnipeg. Then Wednesday, so that's two days there. So then they got a back to back. They'll play in Calgary and then they'll play in Vancouver and then they have a day off and they'll try travel to Edmonton and then they're home on Tuesday. Yeah, once again against the Canucks here. So they definitely have some rest in between, which is nice. Uh-huh. Um, but it's going to be a tough trip. It's going to be a tough trip, but. These are the kind of trips that also make the team. Right. You know, hockey players talk about the bonding that takes place on these long road trips. And then they have a big homestand when they come home. So, uh, you know, every game's important. Every team's good. There aren't any teams where it's like, there aren't the Miami Dolphins in the NHL. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, there just aren't. Yeah. I mean, probably one of the worst teams in the NHL is the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, they... Oh God, I try to think they oh, they went into Madison Square Garden and beat the Rangers the other night. Yes. So yeah. they have good players. Right. The NHL is turning into the NFL with a lot of parody. Yeah. So it's it's you know, it'll be fun to watch. I I'm excited to see how they match up specifically against Vancouver and Edmonton. I think those are real fun games. Well, I'm excited to see how your the Hockey Hawks NHL power rankings compare this week. NHL or NBC uh, Sports Network, they don't have theirs posted. So we're going over to Sports Illustrated. No, we're, doing we're, doing we're doing it. Because we're a podcast of variety. We don't just go to one power ranking to uh, to laugh at in, in comparison to the Hockey Hawks, which is the, which is the power rankings that we all need to abide by. <laughs> but I'm going to start here with first with who the Sports Illustrated has yes. as the number one team. Then we'll see how you have who you have as number one, and then we'll work our way down. Got it. Sports Illustrated at number one, sitting at 11-2-2. Two and two. 
have the Boston Bruins as the number one overall team in the NHL. Took a loss last night to the Montreal Canadiens, but my number one team is the Boston Bruins. It's tough to argue. I mean, that makes the beginning of the season look a lot better now that you see what they're doing to the rest of the NHL. You know, Leading the league in points, David Pasternak with 30 points. Oh, yeah. Second in the league in points, Brad, Brad Marchand. Yeah. The other 30 line, and 28 points. Okay, and the other line is some guy named Bergeron, where if you haven't heard of him, he's probably one of the better two-way centers of all time and a surefire NHL Hall of Famer. Every year he is a finalist for the Selkie, yeah. which Yeri Lettinen, when he was here, that, that's probably a good comparison. Very good. He's a, he's a center, but they're Yeri Lettinen and Pat, Patrice Bergeron, pretty much identical player. He's also your captain. Yes. Oh, yeah. Was I right is, on that? Or is Char, is Char still the captain? I think Char is yes, still Char captain. Yes, Char is still. So, but he's still a he's still a big, huge big name in the room. Huge. Him and Char are just those wily veterans. Uh, Tuka Rask is he, back. He's got the. He's got the. What's was he? it nine thirty three save percentage? Nine thirty six. Nine thirty six. Okay, that's a heck of a save Golly. percentage. Yeah. Whew. So you guys both have the Boston Bruins at number one. Number two, Sports Illustrated has. The Washington Capitals. I have the Edmonton two. Oilers. Okay. I'm big on this Oilers. So I, the other day I was talking, I said the Oilers finally, uh, I was in a Twitter exchange, and I said the Oilers finally have a goaltender, probably the first since Grant Fuhrer or maybe Bill Ranford. And, the, and they said, well, Mike Smith won't last the year. You know, mm. and I disagree. Is that is that... Based on injury, or is that based on combo of based on injury? And so I went to the stats, and the stats in Calgary were a little bit on the high side. I thought though in the in the Avalanche Flames playoff series last year, he was outstanding. Mike Smith will steal you a game, absolutely. Mike Smith won't lose you a game. Right, that's what I love about Mike Smith. It's hard to believe. It seems like yesterday he was backing up Marty Turco. I know. I was just thinking that like that the Stars had Marty Turco and Mike Smith as their one-two punch. Yes. And outside of Ben Bishop and Anton Hudobin, now that's probably the best one-two punch yeah. that the Stars Still have ever had. Still not a bad trade because Brad Richards came here and oh, was yeah. amazing. Yeah. They're yeah, in a yeah. real dark, tough time in Stars history. Yes. However, <laughs> um, I love what Edmonton's doing. And everyone wants to talk about Connor McDavid, and I am totally in on the Connor McDavid. I love the speed. He's a great captain. Connor McDavid will actually rough it up if he needs to for the team. Yeah. We are not talking about Leon Dreisaitl yeah, enough. Yeah, I mean, Dirk is the tall baller from the G. Fast skater from the G. I don't know what we should nickname Dreisaitl. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he needs a nickname, though. 16 games, 13 goals, 27 points. And he or Connor McDavid can carry that team. Either one of them. So they have speed. They're much better on the blue line now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know... A big presence of that, similar to Ben Bishop helping the blue line, is Mike Smith because, to me, he's a top three uh, as far as distributing the puck. And, you know, he's really good like Ben Bishop as far as, you know, when it's dumped in, stopping the puck and Mm -hmm. allowing your defenseman to get it and also calling out where they're coming from. Right. So love, love the Mike Smith acquisition. Love the James Neal trade. You know, a lot of firepower, better defensively. Edmonton, I have at number two. So at uh, number three is where um, Sports Illustrated had Edmonton 
Yeah, and I flip flop. I so had the Washington got, Caps. So there and we the go. Reason now we'll talk that, about the Capitals. Yeah, I mean the Caps, eleven two and three. That's extremely impressive. The one thing that hasn't been impressive for the Capitals is their goaltending situation. Yeah. Braden Holtby, uh, who I always thought was a very good goaltender, struggling this year. Mm-hmm. I think he'll come around. Well, and think about you know Philip Grubauer was just here last yeah. night in Dallas. That's who when the when the Capitals won the Cup, they entered that playoff run. With Grubauer as our number one, I can't remember what exact. I think it was the first round that Grubauer was kind of struggling. They threw in Holtby, yeah. and he just carried him. The rest is history. He carried him to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think he's a good goaltender. Uh, I love their veteran leadership and experience. I'm a big TJ Oshie guy. Me too. Uh, number eight is number eight. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, I hope the NHL gets to enjoy that ride as long as it can because he's exciting on the ice. He's a character off the ice. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm a big OV guy. I just want to see him win another cup so he can just watch his you know party that ensued yeah. after for three months or whatever. Right, exactly. Uh, you can call Tom Wilson dirty. He definitely makes dirty plays every mm-hmm. once in a while. But you know what? He can also score. That's a guy that, you know, much like Corey Perry, you know, you don't see Tom Wilson as much as the Stars fans saw Corey Perry. Yeah. But he's much like Corey Perry, where once you have him on your team, he's he's dirtier than Corey Perry ever was. But that's a guy that once you have him on your squad, you're kind of, you know, you're cheering for him. That's a guy that you definitely want. It's a tough Metro division, but, and, you know, they're definitely right now the elite class of that division. And the Capitals are real, are just reeled off consecutive wins against the Canucks, the Leafs, the Sabres, and the Flames. Yeah, not bad, huh? Golly. <laughs> so we'll move on to number four here. The Sports Illustrated Power Rankings have the New York Islanders. I have them at number four as well. All right. Do you work for Sports Illustrated? I, you know, maybe I should. <laughs> Matthew Barzell is the real deal. Yeah, he's amazing. I would pay also every penny to get Barry Trotz. I mean, wherever the oh. guy goes—Nashville, Washington, now the New York Islanders—bam, win, win, same win, thing. Win. Lou Lamorello. All of a sudden, I mean, you look, Lou Lamorello. What happened? What did he do with the Toronto Maple Leafs? And so now the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, Lou Lamorello built that team. Yeah. And then he goes yeah. to the New York Islanders, and wow, all of a sudden the Islanders are good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lost arguably the best goaltender in the league last year. Yeah. And yeah. look what they're doing. So Barry Trotz, to me, plays a defensive style. Very People defensive. could say it's boring. They don't fill the barn every night. The tough arena to play, you know, but at the same time, it's like the Islanders once again proving that they're a team to contend. Yeah, and uh, it's that's such a you know we just talked about the Capitals winning the cup. It's still such an undercovered, underreported thing that they win the cup and then they lose their coach that won them the cup. Yeah, that very was, weird thing. That was very weird. I very weird. Uh, Trotz took the high road, but you yeah. saw how quickly the Islanders grabbed. Him. Oh man, you knew he wasn't going to be on the streets for long. Yeah, absolutely. So now we move to number five. The Carolina Hurricanes is who the who Sports Illustrated has here at number five. Good. I did not have them in my top five. Who'd though. you have? Uh, my top five, I have co-top fives. Am I allowed to have co-top sure. fives? Hey, it's okay. your list. You can do All whatever right. you want. All right. So if I had co-top fives, my first five would be the Vancouver Canucks, who we'll mm-hmm. see. And late at night, I enjoy watching Vancouver Canucks hockey. Um, Sports Illustrated has them at number eight. Okay. So I just look at the the youth. I mean, we talk about um, Makar and we talk about Haskinen. There was a guy that was drafted in that yeah. draft right behind them. Quinn Elias. Hughes. Well, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Oh, Pettersson. So yes, Pettersson. Yes. So it was Pettersson that year, and then they got Quinn Hughes. 
who's amazing on the blue line. So there, the Western Conference is becoming stacked with young puck-moving defensemen. But then you look at how they've drafted. So they get Pedersen, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat. Yeah. They're, they're young. And then what they did as far as changing their blue lineup with the emergence of Hughes, Tyler Myers, who's came into his own in Winnipeg. He's Jordan. been even since he was with Buffalo. Yeah. I've loved Tyler I Myers' do game. I I've do too. loved it. I do too. It took him a little bit. Yeah. But as yeah. you've told that you talked about the uh the Big Chara, man time. Yeah, the Char story. <laughs> it takes them a little bit longer. Give them time. Maybe that's maybe maybe that's Val Nachushkin's thing. You know, he's a big <laughs> awkward guy. Maybe it's yeah. just gonna take him a minute. Yeah, maybe. And then you look at uh, Jordy Ben playing solid hockey. Yes. So and, and you know what? They have Solid goaltending as well. It's good to see markets like Edmonton and Vancouver playing well. Those are awesome hockey cities. So it's really cool. My other top five I have is the St. Louis Blues. Yep. Yep. Um, yep, yep. Very tough loss with Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. But they're still doing it. Yeah. And, you know, you just look at their depth and a guy like Jaden Schwartz. Um, who just time after time just seems to quietly put up nice numbers. Did you see their overtime game winner? I believe I did. it was last night. Where last the, night. The Canucks, I can't. I didn't see who it was. It was the Canucks that yeah. it took out their own guy, and they the Blues had a three-on-zero. Three on zero. And they played, I can't remember what the exact game is called, but it's basically a game that if you've played hockey before, you know, you have a guy in the slot and then you pass. Yeah. And then the guy in the slot, if you don't score, it has to go down. But if you score on the play, then you get to continue. It's kind of like a king of the hill type yeah. type vibe. That's basically what they did on an NHL stage in overtime for the win. Jaden Schwartz with the game-winning goal. And Jacob Markstrom was not happy after that. We don't see yeah. like, oh, I have to face three St. Louis Blues? Yeah, yeah. this is not going to yeah. whacking his stick against the post and snapping yeah. it in two. You can't really, you can't blame him. He was just, no. There's no chance in no. that situation. And you know, probably doesn't get enough credit, but I have Colton Perico now as an elite defenseman. Yes. Carries the puck. He's a big guy, plays well defensively, and that slap shot, man, I would not want to get in front of that. So yeah, to me, yeah. Colton Pareko is on the rise. The funny thing about Colton Pareko, quick story, Shippy, is that the St. Louis Blues and our old friend Doug Armstrong, former GM of the Stars, yep. so they found Pareko. They liked him so much that they purposely didn't scout him in Canada. They waited till he went overseas <sighs> To have one of their overseas scout because they did not want to tip off they don't want to any give. other teams that Colton Pareko and they were actually scared to take him in the second round. They thought, should we take him in the first round? I mean, this they was didn't a guy, know if he was going to last. They didn't yeah. know if he was going to last, and they grabbed him in the second. Wow. They said, "Wow, we cannot wait any longer." But I love those NHL stories. Like, you know what? Let's keep it real quiet. Let's not. We're not. We're not going to say we're high on him. Let him slip, and we'll take him in the second round. Can you imagine being the player and you're like, "Man, I'm really good. Why is nobody paying attention to yeah. me?" And you know, <laughs> Preko's looking up like, "Man, I don't have any scouts here watching me." And he knows what he's capable, right. obviously. You know, of obviously, but. Man, that's and that's a guy that maybe it was like three or four years ago when they first brought him up and he first started playing. I watched him play, and I was kind of looking at him. I was like, "How could the Stars maybe steal this?" Guy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because he was, you know, he was a fifth or a sixth defenseman yeah. for the Blues at the time. But just the things that you alluded to, obviously, he was a much more raw player at the time. He hadn't really developed these skills to into the player that he is today. But everything that you want to see from an NHL defenseman, it was clear that he had it. You know, just from the size to the slap shot to the ability to move the puck, that was a guy that I've had kind of a target on 
his back for a long time in terms of you know a guy that the, I think the Stars should attempt to acquire. And we'll see St. Louis uh, right after Thanksgiving. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, so they got depth. They got Ryan O'Reilly. You know, players like that. You could just go down, down, down. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. I don't think uh, Bennington was a uh, fluke. No, he's avoided the sophomore slump. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and it's tough to watch his postseason run last year. Yeah. and think that that was a fluke. The, yeah, and the dude's a robot. They would ask him about a game, where like <laughs> he'd win like a huge game, and it was just like, all right, well, I'm gonna get off the ice now. I'll probably go home play some Fortnite. I don't know what right. he does in his free time, but he did not like. He just looks like he has ice in his veins. It looks like nothing phases him. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low in terms of you know good or bad things that happen to you on the ice. He what he did show a little bit of. I don't know. It, it, you could tell the stars got under his skin. Yeah. In their postseason, I agree. You know, little slashes and things like that. So maybe that's. And I believe there was a there was a uh, there's a clip of him in the AHL fighting a stars player, a former stars player. I remember digging that up. I can't remember exactly who it was, but. He's a guy that, you know, he has ice in his veins, but you can get under his skin in certain scenarios. But you're right, the St. Louis Blues, really good team. Sports Illustrated had them at number seven. What scares me about the Blues is that they're not a built-for-regular-season team. Yeah. The fact if they can get in playoff the top hockey. three, playoff hockey, uh, it doesn't even matter. tighten up. If they're a wild-card team, it doesn't yeah. matter where. As long as they get in... They play that style, and that was a big frustration for for me and a lot of Stars fans. Is it seemed like the, the Blues got away with whatever on the ice? I mean, they would just crush guys, and you're sitting here going, "All right, surely that's not boarding, that's not charging, that's not any of that." Because that's when the refs swallow their whistles. That's when you're not getting any of those calls and things like that. And you're right, the playoff hockey, the ice shrinks, and that's when the St. Louis Blues really, you know, that's when they really thrive. Yeah. Yeah, and they have cup experience now, so yeah. uh, I have them in my top five. So that's my top five. Boston Bruins at one, Edmonton Oilers at two, Caps at three, Islanders at four, and then co-number five, St. Louis and Vancouver. Carolina almost snuck in. Um, you know, uh, I got my eye on Arizona, um, but some of these teams had tough weeks. Uh, Galchenyuk's back now with uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, yeah. you know, I'm keeping an eye on them. It's a, it's a great year for hockey, Shippy. It I got, sure I, is. I got to tell you. And I got to tell you. Sports Illustrated here at number six, because I hit seven and eight, I believe. That was, the yeah, the Canucks and the Blues. Canucks at eight, Blues at seven. They had the Predators at number six, just outside the top five. Winter Classic foes. Yes. Um, Boy, they are tough. They're tough. They're, they're a four-line deep team. Uh, Nashville is a tough barn to play in. Every time we do these power rankings and just do this podcast, it just reinforces that idea that there's so much there's so much talent on all these different teams. Yeah. It's it's I don't know how long it takes you to come up with a top five. It would take me months to just come up for like a one week it's top rough. five. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because Nashville's just consistently under the radar playing well. And that's why we have that's why we allow the t- the co top fives. Yeah. You know? It's and our podcast. We make our own rules. We do what we want. Like if and then like I almost want it like the radio.com rewind because I just call Colton Pareko elite. Well, if I call Colton Pareko elite, what is Roman Yossi? Oh, he's the most underrated elite of all time, maybe. I mean, you know, Roman Yossi is just a, you know, a captain, just signed a leader, an extension. signed an extension, going to be in Nashville for a long time. I and mean, when they when they departed with Shea Weber, everybody's like, whoa. What are, I mean, obviously yeah. you got P.K. Subban, but you're like, 
who's going to step up as the voice in the room. Roman Yossi's been doing this for a very long time for the Nashville Predators. Now he's just starting to get the exposure and the love that he's deserved all along. Yeah, absolutely. And they got Duchesne. I mean, yeah. they got players, they got names, and yeah. you know they're going to be tough to beat. You know, it's they're not that flashy team that everyone's talking about. But Philip Forsberg is is pretty flashy player, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, pretty no, flashy. you're right. They they got good combo. Um, you know, I the question about Nashville, and you know, I try to do my top five based on that week and mm-hmm. how everyone's playing. But the question with Nashville, we talk about St. Louis as being a hardened playoff team. Will Nashville ever be able to take that next step? And those are the types of things that, you know, when I sit here and I think about this, I already started thinking about it while we were talking about the stars earlier. I was already starting to think about trade deadline acquisitions. What kind of guys these guys, you know, what kind of guys these players or these teams need? And certainly that is something that we'll cover down the road here on Sweaters Forever. A lot of of good hockey to look forward to. Is there anything else that you want to hit before we get out of here? Man, it's called Sweaters Forever. We got to talk about those sweaters. Oh, you're right. The winter classic (laughs) sweaters. We've been we've been keeping people on hold for almost an hour now talking puck. I know. And we haven't talked about those winter classic sweaters that were released today. So I you know, I believe it was maybe about a week ago they released the Nashville sweater, the Nashville Predator sweater for the Winter Classic. Uh basically real plain. It reminds me of like a if Nashville if Nashville Predators had a beer can. Yes. I would imagine that their sweaters or what it would look like. Very simple, very clean, but I like it. I think it's going to look good on the ice. It is. And you know, today the Dallas Stars Winter Classic jerseys were released. I, for one, am a huge fan. Pays homage to the Minnesota uh, North Stars in terms of the green that's on yep. there. But it's also got, you know, the, it's got the stars inside the big D. It just, I, I really, really like that sweater. And it's one that I'm definitely going to try to figure out how to get my hands it's on. It's got Texas on the sleeve. And it's got Texas in the collar, too. The Texas, Texas in flag. the collar. So. It has like different, you know, it pays homage in different ways. Yeah. The one thing that I noticed, I'm like, wow, their sweaters are really sticking out. Have you noticed the pants? You know, Tyler Sagan, look at the pants and the different pant color. Those pants are almost like when color TV just came out. So they're like a faded beige. It's like off-white. Yeah, it's a faded beige and it really brings out that green. And it's like, it looks like they're wearing shorts. It looks like they're throwing, like they got throwback, yeah. you know, pants on. That's okay. so. I thought that I was a not, really, really nice touch. And it's nice too because you know you're in you're in Texas, obviously, and it's not exactly the coldest here. So you wear some hockey shorts, and it'll just look. It'll look like I think this is what you're looking for is kind of that pickup hockey look or the stick and puck or whatever you know you or drop ins is what they call it. That's what this is going to look like on the ice at uh, Lone Star Park. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Boy, I really am as well. And there's great history, if you ever want to look it up, about the Dallas Blackhawks who played Hmm. at Fair Park for a number of years. So, uh, And, in fact, their play-by-play announcer was Eric Nadell. Before he became the Rangers, right. he became the Rangers play-by-play announcer. He was the play-by-play announcer for the Dallas Blackhawks, who played at Fair Park for a number of years. So Fair Park actually has great hockey history. I mean, yeah, it's the Cotton Bowl, and that has amazing history in itself. But there's kind of like a hidden gem of hockey history um, that'll add to the Winter Classic. Well, 
I, I, I think it's safe to say that Sweaters Forever gives two thumbs up to both uh, yeah, to both time. sweaters and both you know uniforms that we'll see uh, for the Winter Classic on New Year's it's, Day. It's exciting. It's exciting to look ahead and what the weather forecast is going to be. It's exciting. I hope it snows. I hate snow yeah. for my time in Missouri because... You know, it's cool at first, you're like, oh, this right. is awesome. But when it sticks around for months and it's yeah. March or April, you're like, all right. We can get it's already one of the hottest tickets. I know. Um, everyone wants them. Uh, so I need just, your advice. I had somebody DM me offering me like kind of nosebleed seats for right? it. I should just go ahead and take advantage of it, right? And get in, get in on those tickets. Are they offering a good price? I haven't really talked price yet. Okay. It was right before we started recording this that it was okay. offered to me. So I'm kind of like in that mode of do yeah. I wait and see if I can get something better, cheaper around that time, or do I just go ahead and pull the trigger on two tickets now? So I've sat in the nosebleeds for Texas OU, like okay. three rows from the top. And mm-hmm. I will say these older stadiums, um, depending where it is in the Cotton Bowl, mm-hmm. the Cotton Bowl actually has a nice view from upper deck. You know what's funny? I went to an Arkansas-Mizzou game there well before I had any idea I was going there. And I was pretty high up, too, but I felt like I was still pretty close to the action, and it didn't feel like I was in, you know, quote-unquote, nosebleed. Right. The one thing the Stars fans will have to kind of put in the past, you can't complain about the bathroom situation and forget about the concessions. Yeah. So, you know, just take those out because it still is the Cotton Bowl. And if you've been to Texas OU or any game at the Cotton Bowl, I, I love going there because it has so much historic value. But yeah. well, let's just say they will not have the amenities of the AAC. Right. They moved the Cotton Bowl to the to AT&T Stadium, the real Cotton Bowl, yeah. for a reason. And it's highly due to those things that you're talking about. But there is something to be appreciated about that kind of old school, you know, not state-of-the-art type facilities, I guess, is the way to put it. Yeah, and now we're hearing about some tournaments that might be played. I think there's going to do something with police and fire, you know, on the ice, like some pre-tournaments and, you know, just some real fun stuff, which which I love to see. I still would love to see an alumni game. I guess they're not going to do it. I know. Why don't they do that? To me, that would be something I would pay for. I would pay to see Luds out there on the ice. Oh, my God. Yeah, Luds. And, you know, they they would treat it like beer league, too, where, you know, they'd have beers on the bench and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Get get Eddie Belfour back in the net, which, by the way, we teased and talked about Faniversary for so long. Huge stick tap to those guys for coming out to Texas Live. We hosted that Q&A, which I thought went super well. Yeah. Um. Stick tap to you, stick it, shippy. That it, was that was that was a lot. If fifteen minutes went by way too quick, I wanted to ask quick. so much more. We 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 were just you know just to be totally transparent, we were late to get them on the air on yeah. the radio because the questions and the answers were just so good. Um, there was a real just organic feel to it. It was just very comfortable. Really cool those guys to come hang out at Faniversary and you know kind of peel the curtain back for us all and just give us some. Some some memories and things from their playing days, they as well as their thoughts on the current NHL. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to bring up. They like the game, but they don't like the game. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It is interesting because I mean these guys took a pounding. They talk about they want more fighting, more hitting, and all that sort of stuff that made the NHL the NHL. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just, it's one of those things where it's like you know when you were in front of the net. And you scored a goal against Ed Belfour. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you needed to make sure that your cup was on. Yeah. Because you were going to get a cup check pretty hard. And they referenced that. They did. They referenced that. They call that. it a ball goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was just stories like that that I absolutely loved. And, you know, Ed Belfour, one of two players all time with an NCAA championship, an Olympic gold medal, and a Stanley Cup championship. I know he didn't play here long, mm-hmm. but we talk about numbers that could go in the rafters. Yeah, I mean, you it's know, tough. And and those tough. when I was a kid, those Eddie, Eddie, yeah. those chants. I have such fond memories of those at Reunion Arena. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I I don't think like there's an argument to be made against it because he didn't play here long. But to me, when you have an NHL Hall of Famer, mm. what's the downside yeah. of retiring? There's a so number? many numbers. <laughs> there are so many numbers. You got, yeah, you got double zero to ninety nine, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, so I look at a name like that and. You know, even him coming back to the stadium, I think, would, you know, develop the Eddie, Eddie chance again. I mean, he's just like a cult hero for what they brought. And think about looking up in the rafters and seeing Neil Broughton, seeing Mike Madonna, seeing Sergei Zubov, and seeing Eddie Belfour. Right. I mean, I, I love just when I go to the AAC every time, whether it's a Mavs or a Stars game, I look up in the rafters every single time and just kind of look real quick. I do too. And just do a quick scan and just, you know, I don't, it may take me like 10 seconds, but I look up and just kind of, man, those were, you know, kind of pay respects, just kind of think real quick just about those times. It's a great history lesson because I was doing it a couple of games ago and I was, I entered a conversation where I was like, should Dino Cicerelli be retired? Yeah. You know? right? And then I'm looking up Dino Cicerelli, who was awesome, but did he play long enough in Minnesota? Right. So there are players like that that you just you love to look up, and it really refreshes your memory of how many good players have come through this organization, whether it be Minnesota or in Dallas. It's just it's it's just a it's a lot of fun, and it was so great to talk to them about the memories. And you know, you had a great question about Ed Belfour going up against Dominic Hasek and. You know, up for those games. Yeah. And I thought that was real cool. Um, you know, Ludwig is one of those guys. I love Luddy on a personal level. I love his humbleness. Yeah. But if you talk to a lot of the players for that 99 Cup run, one of the vocal leaders in that room was Craig Ludwig. Yeah. He won't say that. He'll never say that. He'll never say that. He lets other people talk for him, though, which is the way you should, I feel like, do that type. You know, it's a very Dirk approach. Yeah. You know, obviously it's different milestones and things like that, different players in terms of the landscape, but the personality and the humility that they display are very similar. The fact that they still talk about him in Montreal and remember him mm-hmm. says a lot with those brutal Montreal-Boston series. And you'll see, if you're walking through the AAC, I've seen multiple times a Craig Ludwig jersey. Oh, yeah, I saw it last night I where see? I actually, I said that. I was like, because I saw like three Hatcher jerseys. Yeah. And I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, we forget, that's 20 years ago. Yeah. And They're celebrating 20 years this celebrating year. Celebrating 20 years this year. And it's like, Wow. They're still wearing jerseys from that era. That's really cool. Now, it does say something about what's happened to the team over the years. Right. But, I mean, throwback jerseys to me is like a true tribute. Right. When someone wears a sweater. I saw a Belfour one last night, too. And so I wonder, though, if they lose, if they don't win that Stanley Cup, that team, do you still see those throwback jerseys? Probably not. Probably not. But you hang on to those because of that. You know, because there's been plenty of players that have come through and, you know... Meant not quite as much, but you know, paid huge dividends for this franchise who you don't see their jersey anymore. But that title obviously is going to separate those players. Yeah, they 
they set the course for what this franchise has today as far as a fan base. Yeah. To me, there's no debate. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about the Tyler Sagans, the Jamie Benz, and everything, but to come in and win, it's almost like mirrored Tampa Bay. What happened where it's like yeah. Tampa Bay comes in, they're bad for a couple of years. The stars were pretty good immediately. Yeah. Because of what they had in Minnesota. But you when Tampa won that cup. Cavalier, Martin, Cavalier, Martin Oh my goodness. I'm Brad Richards was part of Brad that. Brad Richards, team. yeah. You know, solid goaltender. They just had a real, real good team. That made hockey alive in Tampa. And they have awesome jerseys. I love oh. those jerseys. And if you go, I like I would recommend or sweaters. Yeah, sweaters. I would <laughs> recommend like everyone talks about like road trips and maybe in some podcasts we can talk about like best hockey road trips. Yeah. So I try to go on one a year. Mm-hmm. Um just to like take in other crowds, cover the team. And the Tampa, Florida one is underrated because Tampa is in downtown, stadiums in downtown. There's bands playing outside. Everyone's wearing blue and silver. They have an organist that they introduce, and everyone loves the organist at the games. It's a rowdy crowd. I feel like every arena needs a good organist. No, I agree with you. I mean, I don't want to get rid of Groob's job because what he does at the AAC is awesome, but... The organist is just a it's just a whole different level. Yeah. And like you have a much more I mean, did you just have to appreciate St. Louis is you know, I don't like St. Louis from my time at Missouri, but at the Scott Trade Center, if oh, that's what they still call it, the uh, organist Enterprise, yeah, Enterprise yeah, yeah, yep, now. Yep. So their organist is amazing. Amazing fan um, base. Amazing. We, we can hate St. Louis. That's a good fan that base. Is a and great they fan love base. their Don't tell them I said that. But, no, yeah. I know. I know. I know. But the cool thing about the Tampa, Florida trip, whether it starts in Florida, usually starts in Tampa, mm-hmm. is then you get in your car and you drive through the Florida Everglades to get to Sunrise. Yeah. I mean, there's really no other route. All right. So when Sunrise is just below the Florida Everglades, so you stop along the way, see if you can see some gate. It's just like a, it's a cool, like hidden gem trip that a lot of people wouldn't think of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, man, I, we can go on and on. I mean, you yeah, know, I picked the Florida Panthers to go to the playoffs this year. They're playing good hockey right now. Yeah. So it's like, so God, I love this podcast, Shippy. Me too. <laughs> Me too. We're going to wrap it up because we're, uh, I mean, we're never going to run out of content on sweaters forever. As you can see, we did not have this last like 20 minutes or 15 or whatever it's been really planned. We never got to listeners' questions. We never did. Uh, <laughs> we, will, we will save them and we will ask for more. This has been such great content though, Man, on this, this is, episode. I did get one question last night. Let's hear it. Why do they call it lower body and upper body injuries? Oh, yeah. You don't want to give the opponent... You don't want to let the opponent know what's hurting because as soon right. as they return from that injury, they are going for whatever that injury is. So yeah, I, so uh, two years ago when the Florida Panthers were in town, uh, there was there was a huge injury that that happened, and I my buddy his brother is the equipment guy right for for the Florida Panthers, and we were having dinner afterwards, having some drinks, and I just said, hey, like, well, I think it was Luongo at the time he got hurt in that game, and I said, what's going on with Luongo? Everything good? And he goes. He goes, dude, they don't even tell us. They don't even tell the equipment guys what's wrong with these guys because they can't afford for this information to leak. It stays with the training staff. It goes nowhere else. I have know a number of guys inside the STARS organization, inside other organizations. They don't tell anybody who's hurt. It's like the head coach and the training staff, and that's it. Yeah, Ken Hitchcock said, I think last year, he's like, why are we doing this? Yeah, He's like, I'm... He's like, I'm just going to call an upper body or lower body, and then you guys are going to find out from the player 
right. like an hour later and put it on social media. He's like, here's the injury. Right. So I think in the next round of negotiations, that'll be one of the minor details. That and morning skate. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how morning skate as far as the negotiations. But I just wanted to answer that question. You nailed it. It's because in the past you didn't want the opposition, but it's not. The biggest point is it's not required by the NHL. Therefore, if you're a team, it's like, why would I say it right. if the league doesn't? Whereas NFL, it's required. It seems like real dangerous, though, if you make that information available to the opponents. You know? Yeah. Seems really dangerous for that player to come back any earlier than, you know, being 100% healthy. And even then, if you break a bone, I mean, you're still for, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I feel like you're still at risk if there's a little slash. Like, if they come out and say, all right, you know, he's out four weeks with a broken wrist. Well, what happens when player A gets back on the ice? They're going to give a little yeah. give a little slash because even if it's a two-minute injury, but you just re-aggravated that injury, maybe you knocked out one of their best players, especially come playoff time. Yeah, it's dangerous. True. I think what maybe makes these talks progress is the sensitivity of head injuries where you can call it an upper body injury. Oh, I'm being... And if he's out with a concussion... yeah. Player wants to come back. Team was calling it an upper body injury. Whereas if you label concussion, that's a whole different story. Yeah. yeah. Now all of a sudden it's like, wait, we need to take our time because of head injuries. Right. You know, uh, well, and they've already thrown the four or five years ago, they put the spotter in the stands where yes. it's a third party not affiliated if he sees what he deems as potential. You know, this player needs to enter concussion protocol. And this is all stems from the NFL and they're big lawsuit and everything that's gone down with, you know, CTE and their concussion issues. Another contact sport like the NHL then took the precautions to prevent themselves from doing that same thing. Yeah. Which is why you're seeing all of this elevated uh, concern and, and, and attention paid to the concussion. When John Klingberg went down last night, I I thought they were going to call, but it, it didn't hit him in the, you know helmet per se. I mean, right. it might have rattled his cage a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he went right to the bench and you could tell like he was fine. Right. Um, but at the same time, yeah, Chris Nowitzki, who leads the kind of the forefront of the brain injuries with athletes has said like this rule has to change mm-hmm. so that more emphasis can go on head injuries and concussions because, you know, I mean, we all know hockey, you know, is a man, man sport. You got to come back right, and everything right. like that. Well, times have changed. Yeah, they sure have. Well, This has been another episode, excellent episode. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. It's been another excellent episode of Sweaters Forever right here. Stick tap, my friends. On 105.3 The Fan. Thank you to everybody who listens, subscribes, rate us five stars. It's really important you subscribe so that as soon as this podcast hits the podcast network, it's going to get sent straight to your phone. You don't even have to go download it or find it. It does all the work for you. And if you need to find it, I did it today. Just uh, Google Sweaters Forever. It comes right up. Boom. That's the great thing about Radio.com. They've released it to all kinds of podcast networks. Awesome. Well, Gavin, uh, if you'd like to follow Gavin Spittle, the Hockey Hawk, you can follow him on Twitter at GJ Spittle. I'm Shippy. You can follow me on Twitter at Shippy Fun Sports. Gavin's been a lot of fun recording yet another Thanks, episode buddy. of Sweaters Forever. Until next week, uh, we both love you a lot.